When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome inside the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm Justin Quinn here with Alex Goldberg of Off the Glass and Camp Tabatabai of Celtics Hub. We have a very different team than in Boston than we had even just two weeks ago. Here to survey who left, who stayed, and what might be happening soon. We're here to take stock of the Celtics roster as of Monday, November 30th, when we are recording. How are we feeling about this roster? I'm feeling intrigued. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's actually, when, when we lost Gordon Hayward for a minute, I was definitely very concerned. But I think that Ainge has actually pivoted pretty nicely, and I'm now talking myself into a lot of players on this team. <laughs> yeah, I, I will not uh, deny that I may have overreacted a little bit, even though I kept my mouth shut publicly because I figured there was going to be more coming Um in our group chat, I was pretty down for at least, at least immediately when we really thought he was going to walk for nothing. But that didn't turn out to be the case. Um, lots of other things have happened since then. Um, maybe we should kind of go over them uh, piece by piece. Maybe start with some of the, let's, let's do chronological um, with Vinny Poirier uh, leaving and providing us a 2.6 million um, Vinny sex pants. Yeah. <laughs> Harvey <soon>. Nui. <laughs> How do we feel about this deal? I mean, was it was it worth passing on a Desmond Bain? Should we have found another way to do this? I mean, what do you feel? Uh, I would have loved to have Desmond Bain on this team. I've just I was really into him going into the draft, and uh, I have I have love for the guy because I went to the college where he came up in high school, like in the same town. So. Um, I thought Bain was going to be good, but that being said, Poirier was definitely dead weight uh, by the end of last season. I I am str- very skeptical that he has a long term NBA future. So eh, yeah, I was. I remember there being a, a report that uh, Monsieur Sex Pants was done with Boston anyway. So a small, the two point six million dollar TPE that was generated is probably not the TPE we're going to spend most of our time talking about. But that's that's not nothing. Yeah. All right. Besides that, we had Enos Cantor. Uh, he is back in Portland, which I think is a great landing spot for him. He'll actually get some serious playing time on a more regular basis. The, the draft coverage works a lot better for him. Five million TPE also generated from that could be particularly useful. Uh, we could talk about that one also another time. Uh, just because, you know, it's not so interesting is the reason we really want to be talking about TPEs. We'll get to that in a second. And then there was the draft. Nesmith, Pritchard, Madar, we talked about that. Um, anything else that we've learned about them that maybe we want to discuss since they've been speaking to the media, uh, since we've learned a little bit more about them? 
Uh, I got two things for you here, Justin. First one is that my boy Aaron Nesmith, Vandy Basketball Pride, says that his foot is ready to go. Um, I was initially a little skeptical just because I didn't know much about that foot injury, but upon watching a lot of his footage, I am now all aboard the Nesmith train. I think he's going to be a great fit, and I love shooting. So that makes me very excited. And then uh, with Peyton Pritchard, you know, I don't know what the future holds for Peyton Pritchard. Maybe he is good, maybe he is not. But regardless, I think he is going to be a much beloved figure on the Celtics. And I can fully envision a scenario where Peyton Pritchard scores 16 points in a meaningless February regular season game and instantly becomes a hero for the entire city of Boston. So, yeah, I think I have this right. I believe his old Twitter handle was fast PP. Oh yeah, Richard, and um, that's gonna stick. So yeah, <laughs> yes, right? he's he's one uh, hot f- third quarter away from just being another one of the the Celtics fan favorites. With which I know this is out of order, but speaking of fan favorites, I'm so pumped that Evan Turner is yes. returning to Boston. Yes. As yes. Yeah, that is totally fine with me. That is brilliant because in my mind. The biggest thing you get from an Evan Turner signing, besides the post-game quotes, mm-hmm. uh, is his veteran leadership. And now you get it without a roster spot being taken up. Yeah, well said. So, yeah, I pro- probably that's all that needs to be said about that. But it happens. Um, I, I, I do think that, you know, one thing to keep in mind with Evan Turner is that Evan Turner is universally respected as the, quote, God. And mm-hmm. Boston's post-game interviews are going to get a lot better. And I also think that, um, you know, that will have an infectious effect on the rest of the locker room. I fully expect that a number of this team's roster will be ready to give great sideline interviews going forward. (laughs) So besides that, Hayward opted out. We almost got signed and traded to Indiana. Um, There was a roadblock. What do you guys think about that roadblock? I'm pretty sure I know what Cam thinks about that roadblock. (laughs) (laughs) Roadblock. I'm... So proud of Danny Ainge for his resolve and his vision um, because Miles Turner to the tune of $18 million is just a disaster. So it's not a bad contract, uh, but it's not a great contract. And for what you can get, I mean, we, we get almost as good of a player already on the roster in, in, in uh, Daniel Tice. Yeah. Have that much money to be your fourth option on offense and how that option likes to play offense just made no sense. I'm very happy that that is behind us. Uh, if I wanted a dude who Bam Adebayo was going to stuff in the basket, I would have just gotten Harry Giles on the minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least Harry Giles is his buddy. I mean, there's real <laughs> off-the-court fit there. That's very well said. So it has been Charlotte. We did not have to pay him $120 million over four years, which to me is a clear win. Um, any complaints about, about not matching that deal or how it panned out? It's interesting to me that it's not front-loaded. I would think that Charlotte with LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges and some other players would try to stagger the payment structure such that it still adds up to 120, but it starts with a higher number, and that would have helped Boston – I mean, it's already their traded player exception, which we can uh, talk about, is already the largest in league history. But the way that that deal is structured is very bizarre. Um, 
But as Alex knows, because I insisted on putting in, this, in one of his articles, that Air Jordan now employs Hair Gordon makes me very happy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was not and, Sorry. <laughs> hey, you know, listen, man. God bless Gordon Hayward, dude who's played, you know, roughly a season and a half over the past four years and was good for about 12% of it just secured a $120 million contract. God bless that, you. Yeah. <laughs> go with God, young Gordon. <laughs> Your favorite Jordan sealed. athlete. He's an anti-athlete. It's not even like insider trading. Man, MJ might have had one too many cognacs when he made that call. $39 million effectively or something in that general neighborhood when you when you count in the fact that they had to to waive Nick Batum to make the contract fit. And then they didn't necessarily, but they did any, anyway. I mean, they could have found a way to send some salary back to us and, you know, maybe not charge us anything uh, in terms of draft picks or whatever. But we're sending them two of our draft picks for the honor of the TPE. Um, what I'm so is- happy that this is not Hornets Lab, the podcast. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> ever talk about this again. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. I mean, but if, if we could just turn into Hornets Lab for one second. Okay. What on earth is that team going to be like with LaMelo, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, and Gordon Hayward all needing the ball at the same time? Training. I'm sorry. We're getting way <laughs> off topic, but man, that's going to be something to watch. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, honestly, for a minute, I actually thought that Terry Rozier was going to be heading back in a very awkward reunion to Boston because we all saw that video of him packing his bags and muttering about getting sent someplace and leaving his house, which I guess was not necessarily, or at least isn't yet, related to any kind of trades going on. But that, that kind of gets back to, you know, the fact that he's probably making too much. Well, no, maybe maybe just about the right amount to fit into the 28.5 million traded player exception, but maybe we should kind of discuss what it is in the first place. Well said. Uh, I can take the reins on that. Uh, if you were to head, if you were a, you know, not an auditory learner and you want to see it written, you can head over to selfixhub.com when you're done with this uh, for all of your TPE needs. But basically what has happened is it's like a trade token or a trade credit that has been, created for the Celtics to the tune of $28.5 million. And the way TPEs work is there's actually a $100,000 wiggle room. So it's technically $28.6 And uh, it's a, usually good for a full 52-week period. But in this case, because of COVID, it will extend into the 21 draft and the 21 offseason. So it won't be a full calendar year, but it will extend to the next league year. Basically what it means is it allows the Celtics to take on salary uh, beyond what they send out um, because usually you have to match, especially if you like the Celtics are already over the salary cap. Um, Unfortunately for the Celtics, because they signed Tristan Thompson to his new contract and the other signings that they have, they're a hard cap team. And so they only have a certain amount of money that they're actually allowed to add to their roster. Um, during the 2021 league year. So we were just saying that we believe that number is going to land between 19 and $22 million, depending on what happens with green and a few other contracts that we still don't know the nature of. 
Yeah, they can, uh, they can aggregate, for example, say Green and Carson Edwards and make even more space, but they can't get too much more than about 22, 23, maybe at the very, very most if they were very creative. Exactly. I mean, you know, that being said, I think we do have to give Danny Ainge some plaudits here. This is the largest trade exception in the history of the NBA, which is pretty wild. All of that for the privilege of paying Gordon Hayward roughly $39 million per year. Uh, <laughs> unprecedented, but I will take it. And uh, it can again be used in full next draft or off season. So the whole twenty eight point five million would be available to uh, Danny Ainge. And for anyone who is looking to feel frustrated, the twenty eight point five plus the one hundred thousand dollar wiggle room uh, puts the Celtics just about a hundred thousand dollars short of Bradley Beal's contract. So. <laughs> not be used to sign Bradley Beal. Uh, but how's this for a segue? There are plenty of other players in the league that could fit into the Gordon Hayward TPE. Beautiful. So who would be, we be interested? Because as you were saying, we can't use, you know, the, the big muckety-muck number uh, to pull in like a full, well, not a full, you can do a full tier one max. You can do a full tier two max, I don't think. But you could you could get at least like a younger Max guy or somebody who you know took like a team friendly deal in the neighborhood of a Max with this kind of money, um, but you can't necessarily get those those real big money guys uh, because of the, the Tristan Thompson signing. So, what are our needs? You know, for me, I, I think wing depth is clearly important, but I'm also kind of trying to see uh, who maybe could at least this season rest Kemba's legs or even better be a potential long-term replacement, which we would probably have to pay through the nose to get. But I mean, what better opportunity are we going to have? Um, you know, I think that is a good point. And I think that both of those are definitely areas of need, Justin. Obviously one thing to keep in mind is that the TPE um, can be broken up into multiple contracts, but Given the players that are available on the market, if we were to go that route, I strongly doubt that either of the players we acquire, if we end up taking uh, a shot at both of those needs, would be long-term fits, substantial long-term fits. So uh, I would lean personally towards using the bulk of it in one of those two areas rather than trying to spread out and address both uh, I think, you know, maybe this is just me, but I was really high on Grant Williams play in the bubble. And I think that he is going to have a much bigger role on this team going forward. So maybe if you're banking on Grant developing and Nesmith's shot being a thing, maybe the wing depth problem isn't quite as bad. Um, and maybe then you look for a long-term replacement for Kemba. But I think either way, I, I think looking long-term is a smarter play here for sure. So let's use uh, Brad Stevens' kind of positional uh, understanding more so than necessarily traditional positions of, of just ball handlers, wings, swings, and bigs. And this kind of hierarchy, who interests you? Who do you think might be a good fit? So I kind of have a different slant than Alex. I mean, okay. I think part of me thinks the financial situation with the Celtics gets murky really quickly and getting a young player to grow alongside uh, Jason and Jalen and 
Marcus and the others, they're going to have to be creative to do that one or the other. And this might be that creative window. So then I also think about the landscape of the East. And I do wonder if Boston's championship window in this moment, thinking about Kemba Walker and thinking about some of the other parts on the team, there's going to be like two chapters to that and they'll have to do an honest reload. And so going all in now with uh, calling in the cavalry, you perhaps splitting up the TPE might make sense. Um, so all of that said, I think probably, uh, Justin, you're right, that wing depth is, uh, especially with uh, Brad Stevens' positionless system, is really helpful. I'm also curious about Kemba Walker's knees and his defense and Jeff Teague's defense. Uh, so I wouldn't hate adding, uh, even if it's... Okay, so, so I really want them to get Patty Mills. And he's undersized. I don't know what he still has uh, defensively. I think he's on a on the last year of a $13 million contract. Um, so it could work. It doesn't really help the team build, but that's someone who knows how to win championships. That's someone who uh, could run with Marcus Smart in terms of getting dirty and doing all of the, the little things. He is not a, a linebacker like Marcus Smart. He's more of a point guard, but he can play off ball too. So uh, selfishly, I'm going to tell you that the biggest need that the Celtics have is that they don't currently have Patty Mills on their roster. Well, uh, Cam, if you're going to go with that route, could I interest you instead of Patty Mills in George Hill, who might be a little bit more substantial on the defensive end. And while he's not the lights out shooter that Patty is in his prime, he is when he plays the Celtics. (laughs) He is when he plays the Celtics. And I think that George Hill has still got a little bit left in the tank. He was quietly not bad for the Bucks last year. And uh, I think he could be a decent stabilizing vet. He can handle the ball. He can make decent setup passes. Uh, He'll hit an open three and he won't get absolutely crushed on the defensive end in the way that Patty would. And I think my, my, I do like Patty Mills. I think he's had a great run. Uh, My issue is if you're bringing in Patty Mills to be Kemba Walker's backup, are you really solving the problem that you already have with Kemba getting exploited on the defensive end over and over again? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I I refuse (laughs) to answer that question. (laughs) I mean, you get more availability, which is an important ability. Yeah, that's the best ability there is. Um, Justin, do you have a win now point guard? Um, If I... Okay, so I have I have two guys from the point guard uh, supply that I have been looking at, and one of them is a big if, but a realistic if at the trade deadline. And the other one is probably also more of a trade deadline move, but still, this is the expensive one that I was talking about, that I was alluding to. The expensive option would be uh, DeHonte Murray of the Spurs, and I say expensive because he's young enough that even though he doesn't really fit their timeline, thus being pri- awayable potentially, they know that it's going to be worth it uh, for a team that is trying to add some depth to pay for that. So I think that's going to end up costing us at least a good first rounder and possibly, we don't really have one, um, and, 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 you know, in our case, what's likely going to be either late late first or a distant first rounder, which isn't so interesting to a rebuilding team, I think it's going to be very, very costly. The other option, and this is not happening unless the Brooklyn Nets decide they need 
to trade for a, a player that is going to, you know, put them into the stratosphere as, as far as being a contender is concerned. And that would be Spencer Dinwiddie. And the only way that's going to an Atlantic division competitor is if they need space to make a deal happen because we mm-hmm. have it. And really the only other, the only other teams out there that right now I think are, are the Knicks that can do something like this realistically as a third team. And they'll do anything. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's worth pausing and, and re- revisiting what we were talking about off air, which is the problem with the TPE is you're at the mercy of other teams needs. Yeah. And we have established uh, the Spurs, the Magic, and maybe the Bulls as teams with players in the right uh, range in terms of contract and who might be looking for future assets, one of the Celtics first or second year players or a future draft pick um, because otherwise finding reason for teams to jettison players that otherwise would fit into the TPE doesn't realistically make sense. And then with that said, let's ignore that entirely and window shop because that's more fun. Oh, totally. I, I agree. Mean, and uh, you know, <coughs> one more name, sorry, just to step on your toes for a second there, Justin, one more name to keep an eye on a kind of sleeper on this list that I think actually could be a pretty decent backup call handler and is relatively cheap. Daylon Wright, not a bad option. Actually did a pretty decent job in Dallas as a backup last year. I think he could be kind of frisky on this team. He's not expiring either too. So you, you keep that as an aggregatable salary in the future too, if you, if you want a little bit more. I like that. I like to, uh, while we're closing out the point guard, uh, portion of the programming i really like thomas sataransky it's not flashy but it's solid um big two which we like yeah i want jason tatum and jalen brown to be flashy i don't necessarily need the point guard to be flashy so if his knees work and he plays defense alex to your point as well or better than kevin walker that works for me so wings Oh, yes. Who are we looking at for wings? What would you do? Well, Justin, first of all, you have a very liberal definition of the word wing, as does <laughs> Brad Stevens. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's my totally idea. fair. Yes. Um, I think that uh, JJ Redick or an Evan Fournier type uh, makes sense for a win now move. Uh, a, because they've been around the block, they're pretty solid. Uh, Fournier is much less reliable than JJ Redick, but uh, he's still a pretty good shooter. He's not—he's probably overrated as a shooter, but he has it in him. And my stance continues to be that the Celtics uh, choked a few times in the fourth quarter and the Eastern Conference Finals, and that was the difference between a, a trip to the championship round or not. So, uh, some shooting off the bench and some resilience uh, goes a long way. Uh, and I can also. Uh, it's not as obvious, but I can talk myself into the Pelicans looking to trade uh, JJ Redick if the price is right. So uh, he is in the final year of his contract. We have that correct? Um, no, he. I believe he still has a year after this. I'm oh, fantastic! Sure. Then uh, team-controlled contract to move later in life. Um, so yeah, then I'm definitely picking JJ Redick as my first. Uh, want in my wing category this one i mean there there are a sneaky amount of dudes that i think could be had here depending on how much we're willing to give up um one name that i would love to at least take a flyer on i'm not sure if he's ever going to meet his potential but uh i think 
at his best, he can be a, still a pretty quality NBA player, Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would be a lot of moving parts to make that happen. I think that the Bulls value him pretty highly, and they definitely want more in return than just like, you know, a couple of firsts. But if you can pull that off, that's a very intriguing core of Brown, Tatum, and Levine. Super athletic, lots of shooting, and I think would be a hard time for a lot of opposing teams to deal with. I just took both of the people that I was looking at. I guess off the top of my head, uh, Lou Williams is someone whose name I've been hearing uh, as potentially being on the market. I'm not really sure how open they are of, of, you know, to, for dealing him. Um, the fact that he was kind of one of the bigger scandals of the bubble also gives me a bit of pause um, visiting Gentleman's Club when he was away from the bubble. No, that's it. Wings. Yeah, of course. Listen, lemon pepper wings are really good, guys. Vegetarian. (laughs) No excuse to be But I mean, $8 million a year, you're not going to get better scoring than that off a bench Mm -hmm. who's actually comfortable coming off a bench. Um, And, you know, I've heard some things about Terrence Ross. Um, I'm not super crazy about him, but I mean, shooting is always good. I'm not going to complain about shooting. And, you know, he has future money, so you can, again, aggregate him into a deal without, you know, being viewed as too negative of a deal if it isn't viewed as a negative deal. Norman Powell is another guy who's kind of in that that frame. But, you know, surprise, surprise, there are not a lot of affordable wings. They are all either pretty expensive if they're worth having or not. Great. Uh, I would just make a plug for if you want the most league average player in the history of the NBA, a guy who will give you just some output and not much more than that. Wait, Tony can I Snell. guess who you're? Oh, Tony Snell. Sorry, That's I spoke. That's it. very true. Well, I was going to guess Rudy Gay, which is where I was going to go next. Oh, I love Rudy Gay. I'm a Rudy Gay truther. <laughs> okay, cool. Check this out. Do not trade for Zach Levine at all. <laughs> maybe trade for Rudy Gay. Uh, Cause yeah, Tony Snell, consistent average, probably gettable. Uh, Rudy Gay is like seven years down the line version of that. If we got Rudy Gay and then subsequently won the title with Rudy Gay on the roster, that would fulfill a lot of Alex's 2K11 dreams from his <laughs> teenage years. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the idea of Rudy K. The expiring aspect of his deal is kind of a problem. He's he's getting paid fourteen million this season and has nothing past this season, which you probably, arguably, don't necessarily want. But I mean, even like another year after that wouldn't be nice. A lower rate, even if it was just like five or six or seven million guaranteed. Kind of among swings, the kind of guy who that is like uh, that I mentioned today in a piece on exactly this topic was, would be the Bulls' Tad Young um, because he's getting paid $13.5 million this season, but he's only guaranteed for six next. And so that, that gives you a little bit of flexibility, particularly if you still kind of want to retain a little bit of value, but also drop um, some if you use the rest of the TPE for other potential uh, trades. Aaron Gordon is the one that everybody always seems to talk about from this category of players. And I definitely do see the fit the defense is going to be kind of an issue and the shooting is also kind of an issue. I mean, who do you kind of, I mean, I guess you can use them as a small ball five that kind of solves that problem at least, but kind of a tough fit. Yeah. I have yeah. a question. Um, we, 
we don't have uh, we don't have Danny Green on this list. He's technically achievable, or no? You would have to wait. No, you could you could trade. For I kind of doubt trade it. someone immediately. I just think that since he's been moved again already, that I didn't put him down because I assumed that, that he's wanted where he is now. So yeah, I kind of think Philly actually wants Danny Green on their roster. Oh right, right. So I I, I, I would end it up. I would be surprised if they let go of him. You know, I, I think that's another thing to keep in mind to uh, shout out John Corrales for this one is that we really do have to keep in mind what these teams are even willing to give up. Uh, like a lot of these players are teams that are on teams that like them and like their contribution and probably wouldn't yeah. want to give them up just for dead money. You know, like I look at Joe Ingles, for example, Joe Ingles would be a great fit on the Celtics roster. I would love to have him here, but I don't see a, scenario where utah just tosses him for spare parts and i think so, that that yeah i think that's also probably true of john collins as well so i wasn't going to, i put collins in here to me i feel like if collins does end up a celtic he's going to end up getting wedged into that five million tpe when he starts like getting angry about his playing time sometime in the middle of the season i i very much don't think that he i would love to see how he fits on the celtics i just don't see how it's going to happen given that he, he clearly wants like some a contract in the 20 millions of dollars low end but still like above 20 million and that's just not going to fly on the Celtics roster particularly with his skill set yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't think so and it, he wants the world in the in the coming summer it's just not going to happen yeah have fun good luck not us <laughs> um but to that end another guy kind of in that mold but maybe a little bit more attainable. We would have to pay him, but I think um, he's not going to get that much based on, unless he has a, a, you know, a stellar season uh, after changing, you know, at least coach and possibly um, team be Larry Markinen. He has not really worked out in Chicago. And I was very excited about his shooting coming into the league. He looked kind of all right at first. And then, it seemed like that situation that he was in in Chicago sucked the life out of him. So for me, I think that that is someone that maybe could use a change of scenery and because of question marks surrounding him is at least plausibly able to be paid fairly within the Celtics ability to pay a prospect in the future. But I, I was kind of wanting to get your guys' opinions on him as, as a potential fit with that in mind. I love that. I'm kind of under the impression he'll have a real market. And as we've established, at least with the TPE, uh, the package that the Celtics in isolation could come up with, probably Chicago could find someone to beat that. Just because, I mean, he does exactly what a contender would want to add. Um, Not just down the stretch, but to have in their back pocket, if uh, Justin, you're right, that he becomes affordable enough. So that's another really interesting wrinkle here is like what happens to the nets is going to reverberate throughout the league, especially if they land James Harden, for example. Yeah. It's a scenario I was thinking of for the dignity trade. Right. Lowry. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, not only will that potentially throw uh, Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie and others out into the league and then bounce pieces around, but it will also inform Ainge's calculus for this season, because if he thinks the nets become just like this unstoppable force, then you probably, if you use the TPE in season, you use it future facing, not win all like uh, we might be establishing right now. So man, I, 
Do we think James Harden's going to the Nets? No, right? I doubt it. Just Not because, this season. Yeah, they don't have any reason to trade him to a team that isn't going to give him the best possible return, and they are not going – unless they give him Kyrie or maybe KD, I don't see them beating – The irony of trading Kyrie is so rich and wonderful. I can almost taste it. I think that um, Houston is probably holding out hope that at some point Ben Simmons will be more available than he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, I think, the plan here. Um, with regard to Lowry, you know, I think he's had an interesting career. I definitely have seen flashes in his game that makes me think he could be a pretty good player. I am really worried about uh, the amount of time of games that he's missed yes. already in his young career. And I am not necessarily thrilled about the idea of using a large chunk of the TPE on a dude who is potentially not going to be on the court all that much. So I'm not white as high on Lowry, I think, as you guys. Um, I will say, I do think that Chicago is higher on Lowry than I am. I kind of think, you know, even though he has definitely not had the best time there, and it seems like he really clashed with Jim Boylan, which basically everybody (laughs) clashed with Jim Boylan. But, you know, it seems like while he might not have had the best time there, Chicago still values him pretty highly as a young player who can they can build their team around so i would be surprised if they uh give him up for whatever package of carson edwards and semi danny ainge tries to assemble here <laughs> i mean i would imagine you'd have to at least go the first round pick in that but yeah. yeah bigs any bigs i did not see more than one realistic candidate um relative to a team you're just speaking about any bigs out there uh, I think I know who you're talking about, Justin, my man, PJ Tucker. Yeah. Who, oh, my favorite players in the NBA has been for some time. I love that PJ can hit a three. I love that PJ can take on the opposing team's best offensive player and not back down from that. Uh, I think he's a proven winner, great locker room guy could be an incredible mentor to Grant Williams. Happy birthday, Grant. Shout out to Grant. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think he could be an incredible mentor to Grant Williams. And uh, the most important factor, perhaps, perhaps PJ Tucker does not want to be on the Houston Rockets anymore. (laughs) Everything that I have heard out of Houston, it sounds to me that PJ is ready to move on. And at this stage in his career, I would be shocked if he doesn't want to go to a team that is trying to win the title. I think it would be a great fit and a really fun guy to have on this team. Yeah, it makes me a little weak in the knees to think about P.J. Tucker on the Celtics. Tristan Thompson is such an interesting addition. I have really talked myself into how awesome that could be for the Celtics, Um, least of which because he's second in the league in offensive rebounding and eighth in NBA history. And the Celtics kind of by design are not great on the offensive glass or, or haven't been in the past few seasons. And that is not necessarily something that will maintain. That's something that Brad Stevens could lean into. Um, but I think Tristan Thompson can also uh, hold his own on the defensive glass as well. So between Tice, who we were, I was bemoaning Miles Turner not too long ago. Um, and I think Tice at 5 million is a much better asset than Miles Turner at 18. Tristan Thompson on the MLE, uh, same thing. And then we got to figure out what's going on with Robert Williams. So 
I'm so interested in what the Celtics front court rotation looks like. Grant Williams and Marcus Smart included, I suppose, that other than PJ Tucker, because everyone should want PJ Tucker on their favorite basketball team. Uh, I don't know that I see the Celtics gearing up for more front court depth because it seems like the Thompson signing was, was pretty awesome in that regard. Uh, unless they really want to go five wide and go get like Kelly Olenek or something. All I'll say about that is that if you put a lineup of Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, PJ Tucker, Tristan Thompson, and Jalen Brown on the floor, that team is not going to get scored on very much. (laughs) I think we're all on the same page in terms of potential signings and range of this, but how are we feeling about those um, signings of Tristan Thompson? And more specifically, since we haven't really talked about him at all, uh, Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is my dude. I like Jeff Teague. (laughs) Um, I I think he's a cool player. He's been fun to watch for a while. Um, I think his best days are certainly very much behind him. I am not sure that Jeff Teague can play a whole lot of minutes a game at this point in his career. Uh, The the stopover in Minnesota was pretty depressing to watch. But everyone's um, stopover in Minnesota is depressing. That's totally understandable. But, you know, I, I, I like Jeff Teague, the guy, and I really hope he succeeds. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Peyton Pritchard or Tremont Waters will be sneaking up behind him and trying to take a spot in the rotation by midseason. Good problem to have. Jeff Teague has one of the league's funnest mustaches, uh, <laughs> and he's had, consistently has sported that. <laughs> really great mustache so i'm pretty into that i i want the celtics uh, offensively to be pretty fluid and push the pace with kemba so i have this conspiracy that kemba walker is very healthy and the reason that he is going to be on a restriction is specifically mm-hmm. so that uh young players have to play more minutes and mm-hmm. uh the celtics boost their trade value because uh, in this neighborhood, we love Carson Edwards and we love uh, Fast PP and we love some of the Celtics young players. But uh, until they get meaningful minutes, which is hard to do in a Brad Stevens system for young players, other teams might not be convinced. So my uh, galaxy brain conspiracy theory is that Kemba Walker's knees are the healthiest knees in all the land, but uh, they have some draft cap or some trade capital they'd like to build up. Uh, I would very much like to live in the world that you are living in. And I hope <laughs> that that is the case. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, th- I think the young players that the Celtics have, you know, up to this point, they haven't exactly wowed me. I do think that Tremont Waters was very good in the G League last year, but, you know, it's once in a blue moon that that dude translates into being a playable NBA player. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I think the backup guard situation for now is probably fine. I think long-term we, we do need to start looking into better options, but we'll see. With regard to the other signing though, you know, uh, I really like Tristan Thompson. I've had, uh, I've, I've liked Tristan Thompson for a couple of years now and wanted the Celtics to acquire him mm-hmm. as a trade deadline target last year. Uh, you know, he's not, Tristan Thompson is not gonna light your world on fire but he will do the dirty work. He gets rebounds. He crashes the glass. He's a really decent shot blocker. Uh, he's a pretty serious vertical threat still. 
Uh, he's got decent rim gravity. I think he's also underrated as a passer. And I think yeah. with a little time uh, in a Brad Stevens system, he could end up being a pretty decent floor spacer. Uh, the issue is, of course, that uh, Tristan Thompson's shot is not that real. Uh, he shot, of course, uh, 39% from deep last year. Uh, was inflated by the fact that he took something like eight three-pointers and or made eight and took like not much more than that. Um, his shot form doesn't look terrific. That being said, I think the Celtics' big front court is a it's versatile enough and there's enough people who can make up for that skill that getting Tristan Thompson uh, at a $19 million deal is a pretty darn good signing for what we were looking for. Do you see any taco this year? Maybe. I mean, it wouldn't make sense. Again, Robert Williams is an asset of some consequence either for the team or for trade. And at a certain point he needs to get touches and show either again this team or another team what he can do so there will be taco time and blowouts in the Celtics favor or not but no offense to taco I kind of hope that uh, the Celtics don't choose to play him all that much I agree with everything Alex you just said I do wonder uh, Ennis Cantor not only was a good rebounder but there were times where his post offense was really all the Celtics second unit had uh, I don't see Tristan Thompson First of all, I don't know if he'll be part of the second unit or not, but uh, the Celtics do lose something in the bench's ability to go and ma uh, manifest its own offense uh, in Cantor rejoining Portland. Not, I don't know if that's a huge factor, but that is something that I have uh, wondered. It's proven um, offense. We have, we have theoretical offense joining the team and the rookies, exactly. you know, and theoretical that maybe T can still shoot it. But until we actually see it, it's a big question mark, definitely. Um, we have not spoken about the biggest elephant in the room. Uh, it involves a face plant or two. Yeah, you know, uh, I was publicly asking for Glenn Davis to come in and avenge poor Nate Robinson after his defeat on the canvas the other night. Uh, that was just kind of tough to watch. And what's really sad about it is that Nate, uh, by all accounts, basically only trained for about four months and just kind of assumed that he was going to roll in and be fine. And uh, unfortunately for him, whichever Paul brother he fought uh, has no life other than making YouTube videos. And so he probably got a lot of time to train and the results speak for themselves. I do think that it would be a different story with Glenn Davis in the ring. And I really hope that big baby can come in and put this twerp in his place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just be honest with uh, the good weather in Boston. I had several safe outdoor Thanksgiving obligations this weekend, thankfully. Um, so I had no idea that this fight was even happening, um, and really pieced it together in real time on Twitter. And yeah, it just broke my heart. Um, not because they're both short Celtics role players, but the joy that I felt when Eddie house in the last game of the season broke the three point percent, uh, record for the Celtics and then fouled someone to sub himself out that joy that I felt the exact opposite feeling I felt 
seeing Nate Robinson um, in that situation. I will say that Jake Paul was much more respectful than I expected him to be after the fight. And I will also say that uh, Nate is one hell of a dude to be jumping in the chat after the fight and making jokes at his own expense and just taking it, you know, as the incredibly poor decision that it was for him. Um, I respect that. I, I hope they don't actually do this again anytime soon. Um, just because of the fact that there was a, a moment, I think, uh, for those of us who did see it happen, where it was a little scary. And, you know, these professional athletes who are not boxers stepping into it with, you know, no real training, uh, no headgear or anything like that, that made me a little nervous, to be completely honest. And he, was, he wasn't just knocked out, he was out, like not moving, non-responsive, the kind of thing where... If it's a basketball game, everyone's like, <gasps> yeah, you know, and without getting into the whole discussion of boxing as entertainment, uh, but you know, concussions are bad in sport thing. Um, it just made me very uncomfortable, and I'm glad that everyone walked away basically intact. This is why we need the big three tournament so that um, former NBA players can continue to play basketball and not. Do whatever the hell that was. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think would be the best and former NBA player to have in a fight in an, in an actual boxing match? Like size-wise or just just would be most likely to win? Ricky Davis. Mm. He would I, <laughs> be feisty and, and he would do things you wouldn't expect. I think you have to go with the the record and the footage, the tape that we have. I just, I don't see any way that Ron Artest would lose that fight. <laughs> Ron Artest, formerly known as Ron, yeah. <laughs> well, anything to plug before we get out of here? Mm. Uh, if you are still confused about the TPE, uh, go to CelticsUp.com and I'll sort you out. Uh, I have a piece coming up for OTG should be in the next couple of days. It's just recapping a lot of the stuff that we talked about on this pod already. My thoughts on the Celtics free agency decisions and kind of where they can go from here. And of course you can always find me, try to find something to talk about now that there is nothing left coming in, in terms of, well, at least nothing that we expect uh, in terms of free agency trades and all that good stuff at the Celtics wire. You can find this pod. Go ahead. Justin, when does this drop? Tomorrow, Tuesday? The pod? uh, I think I'm going to edit it tonight. We'll see uh, how I feel, but at the very latest, it'll be out tomorrow on Tuesday. So for folks listening to this on Tuesday, December 1st, that means two weeks until a televised preseason Celtics game. That's true. Yeah. Only two. I am not happy. I guess I have to deal with it. Well, we'll get to watch Carson Edwards hit nine threes and then probably never be seen again. So get excited. <laughs> Not a threat. Fair. Well, as always, you can find the pod on most podcatcher apps. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, you know what to do. Uh, if you don't like something, hopefully you also know what to do. But if you don't because you're new, please just let us know with a comment on Twitter, an article, or I don't know, rent a plane and get some cloud writing up there. Whatever whatever does it for you. Uh, use the hashtag CLPOD. I'm trying to bring you deepest dives into Celtics. Happy birthday, Grand.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.